So uh, Charlie and Belinda Ernst are with me tonight, and I want to thank you both for being here and just for sharing uh, your story of hope. This is this podcast is about hope, and uh, we've got a story that just has inspired me over the past how many year, two years, three years now? I don't know how long it's been, but thank you both for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. We're for happy having to be here. On. Yep. Yeah. So first of all, let's start. Uh, we've got about 4,000 people that listen to the podcast, so not everybody's going to know you. So if you would just tell us briefly who you are and what you guys do, uh, Belinda, tell us what you do and, and uh, about your family. So I am a physician assistant at Blanchard Valley Medical Associates. I work for a pulmonologist and a dermatologist. I have been there since I graduated from the University of Finley wow. in 2003. One, two thousand two. <laughs> so they've been good to me. Um, I work for amazing physicians, and that is just one incredible practice. Um, and um, medicine is a big part of my life, and as you'll hear in our story, that's part of our. That was part of what led us to our journey to adopt. Um, we'll go into that a little bit later. Yeah. To see. Um, our healthcare workers and <laughs> what they go through every oh day. Goodness. I just need yeah. to give a big shout out to my colleagues at the hospital who are on the front line and yeah. um, the ICU staff and the intensivists. Let me just give a big shout out to them. I know several of them personally, and um, I will say they are doing one amazing job. I know they're tired, mm. um, but they're they we're, we're we're so lucky to have them i'm 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 grateful for them they're doing a great job taking care of our community so keep up the good work guys <laughs> absolutely and i've got a, a sister-in-law who's also a nurse and uh just they are they're worn out yeah. yep um it's been a long nine almost 10 months now yeah. and so um thank you all for what you do i'm going to shift gears now go to charlie because uh we go from we go from medical to uh, more fun. Uh, Charlie, tell us what you do, and, uh, and 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 tell us about your family too. Yeah, uh, shifting gears. Uh, maybe we could say changing vehicles. Uh, yeah, uh, we went from you know driving a Ferrari to driving a tractor or something. I don't know, but <laughs> but you know the the fit and the parallels between what Belinda does and what I do. Um, I've really helped me in my own job. Uh, so uh, I've been a college basketball coach uh, for 29 years. Wow. Uh, 19 of those as an assistant. And uh, the last, I'm beginning my 10th year as a head coach at the University of Finley. We're an NCAA Division II school. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, – uh, Obviously, it's been a great uh, situation for me. I graduated from the University of Finley. I met Belinda uh, at the college uh, when she came back uh, to get her degree in physician assistant. And uh, so the university's been kind of uh, uh, the backbone of, you know, our lives and, and now our family's lives. Uh, yeah. You know, and our family consists of Allie. Uh, Allison, she's our oldest. Uh, she's our daughter. Her middle name, by the way, Mike, is Hope. Allison Very Hope cool. Ernst. Uh, Love it. Uh, we had a couple miscarriages and had to see a specialist at Toledo Children's Hospital to figure out what was happening. And when we finally had Allie, um, you know, we decided to make her middle name Hope. 
And uh, so she's 16 now and um, a junior at Finley High School. And and our second uh, son is Sam. Sam is a freshman and 14 at Finley High School. And then, of course, uh, Roger is our youngest, our adopted son. And Roger's seven and in the first grade at Whitt- Whittier elementary i guess i get elementary and primary mixed yeah. up sometimes so it was elementary when we were in school and then yeah. they somehow changed it between the time that we left and had kids i don't know what that was all about but uh <laughs> yeah. so yeah we want to talk about roger um in fact it's kind of centered on roger tonight but i don't want to slight sam or Allie because uh man they're great kids they yes, really they are great are. kids mm-hmm. um i've had the privilege of watching Allie grow up with my daughter, Malia, who they, they play mm-hmm. basketball together. And so, and that's kind of how we met you guys as well. And so, um, again, just just a, a blessing to have you guys here tonight and share the story about Roger. Um, man, I don't even know where to start. I You know, I, I've worked for uh, a Christ-centered adoption agency for almost 17 years now. And so this is my heart and mm-hmm. my passion. Mm-hmm. And um, so I love to talk about it, but I watched mm-hmm. you guys walk through uh, and and I I came in probably toward the end of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I got the the exciting part, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's so so fun to watch you guys walk through that and then see him come home and see him at basketball games and um, mm-hmm. and, and and watch him uh, kind of adjust to culture, which I, I want to talk about too. Mm-hmm. I had to have been a, a, a kind of a culture pivot shock. for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> so uh, obviously our topic today I've already said is adoption and. Um, what what led you guys to even go down that road? Right, let's start with that. Um, so you had Sam and Allie, or Allie and Sam, uh, mm-hmm. in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what caused you to begin to even consider adoption, especially international adoption? So when Sammy would have been, I don't know, five or six years ago, so I guess he would have been 12 or 11, um, I had a colleague at my office um, who said, Belinda, you really need to come on a medical mission trip with me. And it really uh, hit me hard. I felt like, you know what, I feel like God is calling me to do that. But that's not something that you really just kind of pack your bags and and do. Um, There are several vaccinations that needed to take place first and... um, you know, like I said, Sam and Allie weren't adoles- fully adolescent at that time. Uh, the mission trip that I had been invited to go on was in the middle of Charlie's season. So just picking up and leaving was, uh, was a little scary. But um, this was maybe October that she had proposed this to me, and the trip was planned for February. So I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I felt like God was saying, okay, you're not listening. You need to go. So just stop fussing about it and give it to me and it's all good, you know? So I did. (laughs) I left on a snowy February morning or middle of the night, I guess. Um, And I got on a plane with a bunch of other medical missionaries and I flew to Haiti and I spent the week there and my life was forever changed. And this was in February of 2014. Yeah, a little later now. 15. Say, uh, 15, maybe. 15 or 16. Yeah. And um, 
I came back and like I said, I, my heart was softened. Yeah. Um, when you, when you treat, when you treat patients in America in a first world country, it's one thing when you treat patients in a third world country, it's, um, it leaves a mark on you. And <clears throat> the majority of the patients we saw were kiddos, mm-hmm. um, who were malnourished, yeah. underfed, um, and, you know, we have a protocol or an algorithm for some medications that we can take with us, but it certainly just is the tip of the iceberg for what those kiddos really needed. And I served with a with an organization called Mission Possible, which is located yeah. here in Finley, and right. they have a soft spot in my heart as well. We'll put them on the, uh, on the yes. show notes so we can have yes. people check them out. Yes, please do. Yeah. Yes, they are amazing. They are a hand up, not a hand out organization. Yeah. So they really are equipping the next generation to serve um, others and to serve the Lord. And so I just was really moved by that. Six months later, I went back again. Um, God chipped away at my heart a little bit more. I think that was the trip. I came home and I said, Charlie, <laughs> guess what? Um, guess what? <laughs> I really wanted to bring like 20 of them home. And I know that yeah. that's not possible. But could we just at least talk about yeah. uh, what that would look like to bring one home? And not that Mission Possible serves a lot of orphanages, but um, I don't know. I just feel like God used those medical mission trips to kind of plant the seed for he was knocking on our door that we needed we needed to parent a little person who didn't have parents. And um, I feel like that was the first door that he opened for us. And seven trips later, so I served with them wow. um, seven more times. I went about every six months. Um, and, and probably, uh, gosh, when, when did we really get serious about adoption? I want to say that was maybe 2017. 17, 18, right in the midst of those Right. I think 17 is when we really started, okay, we need to, we need to be serious about this. We need to talk about it. We need to look at our options. And, and Haiti had a special, special place oh, sure. in my heart because I had served there so many times, fell in love with the country, fell in love with the culture, fell in love with the kiddos. But I'm here to tell you, it is such a corrupt government. Mm-hmm. Um, adoption through them is nearly impossible. Um, you know, we checked with several, several adoption agencies, and they all pretty much it was a constant message, your wait time will be a minimum of five to seven years. That's right. And Charlie and I aren't spring chickens. So <laughs> where are we going to be <laughs> next we, year? Right, right. right. So we kind of said, <laughs> Okay, God, that's okay. We, we, we get it. We can we can still open our hearts, you know, lead us where are we supposed to go from here? And um, I don't even remember how the conversation went, but Burundi, Africa was... I think, uh, and by the way, Mike, uh, you know, we both said after the fact, after we were knee deep into the process of bringing Roger home, was when we found out from Allie one day that this is that what your occupation was. Oh, really? Had, yeah. Had we known at the beginning... 
we probably would have been connected with We'd you. We'd been knocking down yeah, your earlier, door. Right? Yeah. yeah, because as yeah. it was, prior to, so we, I have a couple relatives that uh, cousins, first cousins that have adopted internationally. And so we spoke mm-hmm. to them. And then we also met with a family in Bluffton who had adopted from Haiti. Yeah. So right tr- after the earthquake. Yeah. And that was yeah. adoption was they very expedited much different a lot than it is today. Yes. yes and very different. So then. we, you know, we we tried to do our homework and just make sure we understood what we were getting not only ourselves into but our family into. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because it wasn't just about. You know, Belinda and I, it's Allie and Sam as well. That's right. You know, and uh, so we we wanted to make sure we kind of knew. We we thought we knew, but do you really know? And so after we did that, we felt like, okay, let, let's take the next step. And they both gave us a couple organizations, you know, that they went with. So we start, Belinda started making phone calls. And that's when we kind of got more, a better idea of what it, what Haiti adopting from Haiti really looked like. Yeah. And then one of the agencies who she really kind of, it, it, they had a connection on the telephone, That's right. you know, that, that relationship on the telephone of all places was a, there was a connection and she said, you know, we, we have, we will foster and, and be there for you if Haiti is where you think you want to adopt from. But we are also in the early stages of working with a country in Africa called Burundi, and it's a lot like Haiti. We're looking for some families interested and willing it was a to pilot. be at the front end it, of yeah, this. Yeah, it was yeah. a pilot adoption placement yeah. program. And based on Belinda's background, you know, and her knowledge of Haiti, she said, I, I really think that this might be something your family would be interested in. So when I got home from work, um, you know, she talked to me about this. So we started to research Burundi. So that's sure. kind of how it okay. went to Burundi. We didn't even know where it was. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we hadn't even heard of that country. <laughs> it's a yeah. tiny, you know? tiny little country. Yeah, it's country. by what? Rwanda, Rwanda. and... Yep. Uh, Congo. Tanzania. There you go. Yeah. Uh, they're Tanzania. they're all right there. It's considered mm-hmm. East Africa. Yeah. Um, You know, so I'll, I'll turn it back over to you to continue maybe. Uh, I didn't mean to steal your your thought but i just wanted to kind of fill in from my perspective kind of how it ended up in Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well that and that was one of my questions too but i actually want to go back to what you talked about originally with the mission trips and i'm a big believer in i think everybody should go on a mission trip at least once absolutely because my perspective of life is so confined to what i know here in the united states and this is so unlike any other country, yep. most other countries. Yep. And so we don't have a great perspective on what the world's like. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And uh, Tammy and I actually took our first trip to El Salvador. Okay. And then, and that was where I was like, this is not right. Right. I, yep. I went back and I remember thinking, I feel guilty for living in a house and having yep. a yard and having running water and having all the things we take for granted. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yep. if we lose cable, we all go crazy, right. lose internet, and yep. we don't know how to function. Yep. Right, exactly. And and people outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. in in some of these third world countries, yep, they can teach us a lot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I have always felt like that, Mike. That I go there, 
and yes, I provide medical services to people, but when I but when I leave there, I always feel like they have blessed me ten times more than I oh, could absolutely. ever dream of blessing yeah. them. Yeah. Every time I've gone. Every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of concerns did you guys have as you started? Like Charlie, you were saying, you, you made up your mind. This is, this is Burundi's probably the place. Mm-hmm. What kind of concerns did you have? I mean, obviously, the the Haiti is, is true. The the government is corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, America World, who I work for, is still working in Haiti, but it's it's really difficult. But you've you've decided on Burundi. Mm-hmm. What concerns did you have then? Not just about the country, but just about the whole thing. I mean, like you said, it, it involves. Sam and Allie as well. This is a family journey. Yep. yep. Well, um, yeah, there was a lot of things. Uh, you know, I, I think that the, because people have asked us about the Burundi thing, and without a doubt, you know, Haiti was a big reason why it was Burundi. Um, you know, and I, I had the pleasure, of course, I was, you know, the one uh, so close to Belinda's trips to Haiti um, you know, we, we started and, and still do, uh, sort of send money over for sponsor, a couple specific kids that them. touched her mm-hmm. heart. Um, and then they'll send us letters and we'll, you know, communicate what, how best we can. Um, I ended up, uh, you know, it was hard for me to go with her on any of the trips because so many of them were in either November or February and those were in basketball <laughs> season that I couldn't go. So finally, you know, I, I told them at Mission Possible because some of the leadership there asked me about going. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would love to go, you know. And they said, well, what's holding you back? And I said, when you go. And they said, well, when can you go? And I said, in May. And they said, we're going to make a trip in May then. I said, okay, then I'm going. Awesome. And so I brought two of my players with me. Wow. And uh, um, it was a great trip. It was actually the the month of May, four or five months before we went to get Roger. Mm-hmm. So I did go to Haiti and spent a week there with two of my players. Uh, and it was everything I was expecting. Um, and then some. I mean, it's never totally what you expect, but you know, Belinda had so many stories and so many pictures and videos to share with me over the course of several years that it's, I almost felt like I, I had probably a better idea of what to expect than most people. Uh, but it's still shocking to see it firsthand doing an experience. But, but I think the thing that comes from it is you, you just admire the hope and the mood and the the their love their faith their faith it, you know we think we're faithful people mm. we're not even close to what those people are and there's something about at least the people that we know from Haiti uh the kids the families the the people working uh trying to make a life out of very little but being happy about it um, smiling, being a loving type of people that we were just, we just loved the people in Haiti, you know, and, and we felt like, gosh, you know, and the more we researched Burundi, we felt like they're the same country, Yep. you know, yep. it's a same very culture. poor third yep. world country. If, if you, anyone listening would Google 
the poorest countries in the world, Haiti and Burundi are going to be on every list. Yep. Um, yep. And of course, when we eventually went, you know, to get Roger and we flew into the country and started our journey up the mountain to go get him, her and I looked at each other and said, it, it smells like Haiti. It looks, looks like, like Haiti. Haiti. The people are like Haiti. It's so much like Haiti that it uh, was just shocking and incredible and heartwarming yeah. for us to know that while we weren't in Haiti, um, God put us we, there. We were in the next for a best reason. place. Yep, and it's a place where where we belonged. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it, the all the stories that I've heard over the years from adoptive families, it's always amazing how God walks you through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a straight shot. Sometimes, like ours, it's mm-hmm. like going backwards and circles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. up and down and all around. Mm-hmm. And and you you end up as long as you're seeking Him, you end up where you're supposed yep. to be. Yep. And uh, I've seen your family sitting in the bleachers, and it's just like, you know. It's like he fits. He's supposed to be there. So Couldn't agree more, Mike. Couldn't how, agree more. How amazing. You know, one of the biggest hurdles, I have to talk about this, we're talking about adoption. One of the biggest hurdles for most families is the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of help out there. Were you guys able to find any assistance in covering adoption costs? I think in, in my 17 years, that's the one thing that people say. I've had one guy that's that huge. said, oh, money's not a concern. And I'm like, okay, okay, great. You want to help some others, <laughs> you know? Um, but one guy in 17 years. Yeah. So, were yeah. you guys able to get any assistance in that? Yeah, what? we were. We we're blessed by the community. I mean, yeah. we, we our church community, our church community. Uh-huh. Um, my goodness, we had church family members that we did a couple fundraisers just with simple things like T-shirts and. Um, just goodwill offering if you want to donate to help bring Roger home and um, families whose givings were unbelievable. And um, I will be forever grateful that just little things that help offset the cost of plane tickets and passports and visas and hotel expenses while we were there. And I think I think we did. We maybe did. We were able to get one grant. Yeah. Um, we had to foot more of it mm-hmm. than probably most. Um, yeah. I mean, I I'm guessing. I I don't have facts or <laughs> don't know the numbers. Um, and it it definitely caught our attention on mm-hmm. whether this was the right thing for us and whether the timing was right yeah whether whether we could afford that and we questioned it a couple times along the way you know um it's not like you pay it all at once but when your adoption agency sends you the next you know you complete I don't know, 10 pounds of paperwork (laughs) and you send that in and then you get your bill for that. And then you get, you do, it's time to do the next set of paperwork and then you get your bill for that. Sometimes Charlie and I would look at each other and deer in the headlight look and be like, wow, we don't really have this money right now, but God always provided somehow we always, we've, it, it happened and, and, and there were times honestly, where i was like i don't even know where this money came from somehow yeah, god just right. yeah it just happened i think the bigger issue for us mike i mean yeah the cost obviously i mean it, it is for every family it's got to be or at least most families um 
but you know fortunately i think uh you know belinda and i have a strong marriage and thank god and a strong faith and a good sense of humor a good sense of humor (laughs) because there were times along there were so many opportunities for us to walk away from it and sometimes and but it was it normally those weren't because we got a bill or because of costs it was mostly trying to justify all the paperwork uh, and all the work yes for the cost like you know we we had to keep reminding ourselves when we would have bad days we would sleep on it and the next day we would wake up and we have Haiti things all over our house we really do and we have a digital picture frame that's all about the Haiti mission trips and it's constantly changing pictures. And at this point we had very few pictures of Roger, but we had the the reminders of Haiti and it seemed like the next day we wouldn't really talk about it, but we would just sort of say, okay, well, are you going to be able to get that paperwork done or what do, what do I need Mm -hmm. to do? And we, it was almost like we just sort of knew we got to press on. Yep. You know, this There's isn't a about little boy us. who needs a mama and a this papa. This is about Roger. He's yeah. waiting for us. We got to go get him. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever it's going to take to go get him, we're going to jump over the hurdles and we'll figure out the cost. And, yeah. you know, and we're, we're going to be paying on that. We still are. Yep. Rather than build an addition onto our house, we we decided that was we a We have an addition that, on our family. Yeah. That's right. That, that's <laughs> how we're going to do it. And, uh, It'll it'll work itself out. We both have good jobs. Worst case scenario, we can work more, mm-hmm. you know, at some point. And uh, and that's just what our family decided to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really the message that I was looking for was mm-hmm. because I know what it was like for us. I, I had just graduated Bible college, so I had this huge mountain of debt mm-hmm. and we were work, working mm-hmm. basically minimum wage jobs, you know, mm-hmm. from, from college. And and I'm I'm saying that because I don't people that are listening that feel called to adopt, mm-hmm. I want them to hear your story. Absolutely. That it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I always tell people, if God's leading you to do anything, mm-hmm. including adoption, mm-hmm. don't worry about yep. the hurdles. Yep. Mm-hmm. He'll get you through Just them, he'll get you over, him. under. Yep. And uh and I also like the fact that you said the strong marriage. I mean, you have to it it, it is a challenge. Mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, I don't like paperwork. I don't know too many that do. <laughs> run across some people, but there's a lot of stuff. Oh, my stars. And it's yes. the same thing. It's mm-hmm. you, you keep looking at the result. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a lot like pregnancy. Mm-hmm. When it's all over with, you don't even think about that. Yeah. At least that's what my wife tells me. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and it's very much the same way as it's yeah. like, it doesn't matter what we had to go through. Mm-hmm. Oh. Where we're at now was all worth it. Absolutely. And, and that really is the message that I wanted Absolutely. From, from that whole thing. Yep. So yep. Um, talk about Burundi. You guys had, had had experience. Charlie, you broke your passport in in Haiti, but you're, you're <laughs> heading off to Burundi. And this time you're bringing back more than a souvenir. You guys. Yes. And now yes. you hadn't met him before no. this, correct? No, never spoken to him. Yeah. He had never seen us. We were able to send about three months before we traveled. We were able to send him a little kind of quote unquote care package. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made a photo album that had pictures of Charlie and me and Allie and Sam and what his house looked like and what his bedroom looked like and yeah. what his pets looked like and his grandma and grandpa and his Gigi. Um, just to kind of get him familiar with what his family looked like. Um, 
But no, we had never spoken to him. We we had seen pictures of him, maybe two or three. Yeah. But that was it, and he had never spoken to us. Yeah. So um, we had a dear friend from church pick us up one early one Saturday morning, and we kissed our two biological kiddos goodbye and got on a plane for about 24 hours, knowing that when we came back, we were going to come back with another person. And I cried all the way to the airport <clears throat> mm-hmm. and multiple times throughout the trip. Yeah. Um, 24 hours later, we landed on the other side of the planet and um, we got our lawyer who is from Burundi, met us at the airport, took us to our hotel. It was late. We didn't get to see much of the country that night because it was dark. Um, and their sweet little airport is about the size of your church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> um, recording at the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was the um, capital airport. And of that's the, whole the capital. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we both tried to get some sleep that night, which was really crazy because I remember laying in the bed thinking, "I'm going to go get my son tomorrow." Yeah. Um, got up the next morning, had a couple cups of coffee, and then rode in a car for three hours up a mountain to get my baby boy. Wow. This yeah. is incredible. It was And I remember seeing the video. I, I've been doing this for seventeen years and when I see those videos that, you know, gotcha moments or whatever <laughs> you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. It never it, it never ceases to amaze me how it affects me because lives are changed at that moment. Not just Roger's life, but <laughs> Charlie and Belinda mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and Allie and mm-hmm, Sam yep. and even beyond that, you yeah. know, your basketball family, all, mm-hmm. of, you know, it, it really does amaze me. And I remember watching that video and maybe, uh, maybe we can put that on uh, the show notes too. So people can see that absolutely. moment. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable it's what God does. Beautiful. It is yes. absolutely. That's a great description. Um, so walk us through that day. You get up, you have your coffee, you haven't slept. <laughs> You're in a you're in a strange country. I mean, I don't care how many times you go to Haiti or Burundi. Yep. It's still it's not home. It's a third world country. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you know, um, I think a couple things. I think number one, I think uh, you know some some families. Uh, I wouldn't say it's not that they they you always embrace where you bring your kid home from, but I think we we as a couple. And maybe even as a family, even though Allie and Sam have never been to Haiti, I think they embrace Haiti as well because it's just a big part of the fabric of our family. It still is. And um, so we were just like so excited about being in Burundi, um, not just to get Roger, but because we had already fallen in love with the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the whole ride up the mountain, you know, so yeah, you, you know, we got up that morning and, uh, had breakfast at our hotel, which was just an unbelievably wonderful place, uh, full of Burundian people that maybe one or two. Yes, they they loved us. We loved them. Mm -hmm. Very unique place, um, you know. But but anyhow, um, our lawyer and his wife, it was a national holiday, actually, and his wife usually doesn't get to go with him. But it was a national holiday. It was October 14th, which was the kind of their equivalent of the 4th of July, their Independence Day. So her normal job was, I think she owned a... Um, like like a, a car repair shop yeah, or something. Um, but, but all the stores were closed that day. So she asked us, or he asked us, do you mind if my wife rides along? And we said, 
no, that's fine. So the four of us rode up the mountain. She rarely goes. She's the one that actually captured it on video. And she was maybe bawling as hard as the two of us were because so you talk about impacting people's lives. She's born and raised in Burundi. Her husband's been doing this for 20 years, but this was one of the few times she got to experience an adoption firsthand to see what her husband did and see the impact. It's not the first time, but she, Pierre later told us that it just had such an incredible impact on my wife. Um, so yeah, we went three hours up a mountain and we saw the ladies with baskets on their heads and, you know, every, everyone walking on the side of the road, little two-year-olds and the cars are going by 55 mile an hour. And I'm thinking, I hope that kid doesn't put his arm out because he's going to lose, yeah. you know, just a crazy, crazy place. Yeah. But just like Haiti, just know? like and, Haiti, mm-hmm. you know, trash and just, but, but again, people with smiles on their faces mm-hmm. uh you know we made thankful a few to stops be alive. that's right just thankful to be alive and yeah. and just a lot of love yeah and yep. uh strong face and um uh, yeah just uh you know nothing but good and and eventually we we got to a small city called gatega um and um we uh, kind of circled our way through town and just outside of town, uh, we went up a, another small mountain and turned the corner and there was the orphanage. And we parked the car and we could see all the kids because they knew we were coming. Yeah. You know, it was gotcha day. And uh, we got out of the car and and it, it seemed like a mass of little tiny tykes came running out and just latched on to our legs and our arms and they didn't want to let go and of course they're all gibbering in another language we couldn't understand a word they were saying but the smiles and and you could just feel the love and roger hadn't made his way out quite yet um and the next thing i know i'm overwhelmed with all the kids I hear Belinda getting emotional and saying, oh my, there's my baby boy. And out of the, out of the group, it's like she saw him and recognized him, which is just incredible to me because Mike, I mean, I wouldn't say they all look the same, but they look a lot alike. And, and somehow, some way she knew Roger from, you know, 30 feet away in the midst of a lot of kids and he, they latched eyes and, and he came walking out there. He was a little hesitant, but not much, not much. I mean, he, he, he was ready, you know, but he was, he's told us now that he's got his words that he was very scared, you know, but, but not so scared that he wasn't, you know, wasn't going to come, but just scared. Well, this is something that probably none of those kids have seen. I mean, you guys are a pilot family, and uh, this is not something that they've seen, at least normally. Um, and I remember the video. You were you were surrounded. Uh, Belinda found her way to Roger, Roger his way to her, but you were you were kind of off on your own. These kids have pretty much flocked around you. You had a hard time getting over there. Um, that had to leave an impact on you, too, but... Um, 
Belinda, what was what was your? Uh, I'm gonna let you get a <laughs> get a grip here. What was your uh, take on that? I mean, getting pulling up. I remember the same thing with our daughter from China and pulling up in front of the orphanage, going, "This has been her home." Yeah, yeah. And that just it does something to yeah, you to really know does. that this is a moment that is like this is like one of the moments in your life that just will always. Yep be an image burned in your mind and your heart yeah it was a cocktail of emotion um looking at the building and knowing it was nothing but a big concrete structure that provided roof over his head during storms and um but was pretty much just the bare essentials but also feeling like these sweet people have loved him and cared for him and kept him alive long enough for me to get here. So um, when you only have three pictures of your son, you study him pretty closely. And (laughs) (laughs) when I saw his little face on the, on the steps, I knew it was him. And um, when he came over, it, um, I just wanted to get my hands on him (laughs) because I'd waited almost two years to get my hands on him and to to be able to have him in three dimension and and touch him and hold him and hug him was surreal. And um, and the fact that he let me, you know, our adoption agency prepped us for the fact that he could have. issues with touch and issues with emotion and sensation and so don't be don't be alarmed if he doesn't want to be touched and hugged and I was so thankful I knew right from the moment that he latched on to me that he was okay with me holding him and that was an answered prayer right right off the cuff that was one of my biggest fears was that he wasn't going to let me hold him and I wanted to hold him so badly but he did he is one of the most affectionate, loving little people I've ever met in my life. And um, he loves with his whole heart, and he teaches me every day how to love with my whole heart. And like Charlie said, you know, over the last few months, since he's got his English better, he's been able to explain what that day was like for him. And um, he said he was scared, but he wanted a mama and a papa, and he'd prayed for a mama and a papa for so long, and he was so happy that he had one. Um, he told us that he didn't sleep at all the night before because he he wasn't told until the night before that tomorrow mama and papa are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, the orphanage director had told him the night before, tomorrow morning you will get a shower because mama and papa are coming. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I'm not sure I stopped holding him <laughs> um, from that moment. The orphanage had a little kind of reception where they actually have a nice meal for all the kiddos and um, some music. And we just celebrate Gotcha Day, which is um, bittersweet because I was so happy to have him. But there were 30 other kids there that I really wanted to just take home. And I remember pulling away from the orphanage, Mike, and and we waved, and there there they all stood, all thirty of them on the steps waving, and they were happy for Roger. There was no jealousy. There was no, 
um, I, I can't I can't explain it. These are babies who they were happy for their little brother Roger. They were happy for him, and they waved and they were smiling, and they had nothing to look forward to the next day. In fact, they were probably wondering when their next meal was. And I just remember thinking, um, you know, here I have my baby boy. He was sitting on my lap. and But there were still 30 other kids there that didn't have a mama. And um, that just really hit me hard. But um, you kind of get refocused. We had a three-hour trip. I didn't know if he was going to be car sick. We had we had Pierre, our lawyer, who could speak Karundi, so he was translating for us. Um, and you kind of the attention kind of shifts at that point. Then ma- the mom, Mama Bear, kicks in, and what does he need? Is he still hungry? You know, all that kind of takes over. But there was a split second of pure. Um, I think I was mortified at the sight of that leaving the orphanage. And if there are folks listening who are contemplating this, oh, my stars, um, pray about it. Oh, my stars, pray, 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 pray about it. And don't let the devil in because if there is a will, there's a way. And if God is calling you to one of these sweet babies, he will take you there and he will lead you through and he will guide you through and you will have your baby and it, is unbelievable but um until you witness it firsthand it's really hard to put into words yeah you're right and you did so well with that both of you um it's it is bittersweet it is um that's been the hardest part of my job over the years is knowing how many are left yeah and um so you you have to uh to keep your sanity Mm -hmm. you have to focus on um what you can what you can change, what you can do. And uh, so tell us about Roger now. (laughs) Oh, my sweet boy. He is just... We're both convinced, (laughs) you know. So real real quickly, to be able to answer your question, I think it's important to kind of give you a little bit of a background on what we knew before we got him. You know, so you find out not only the, the child's name of your match, but any information that they have on him and Mm -hmm. what we knew is that he was found wandering in the streets when he was approximately three and uh no one claimed him for several months in in that area of burundi so he was taken to the orphanage um at some point and had been living in the orphanage since you know, so, so really, you know, we could get the information of, you know, maybe how Roger had been doing from the moment he got to the orphanage, but it was the three or four years before that, that was a total mystery, you know? And so, but, but as we learned and in some ways knew, but learned even more so during the classes that we had to take leading up to the adoption was that, so much of who all of us are happens in those zero to three years of age. Yeah. And with without knowing any of that, there was a lot of mystery for both of us of what to expect. 
and Roger, you know, was fortunately all the classes we took, we haven't had to utilize as many of those resources as what we could have. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's not as though he, you know, everything's just perfect. Uh, but, um, the, so to answer your question, I think the one thing we have that we don't know for a fact, but I think we both feel with near certainty that his mother was a special, special woman. Absolutely. And because you, you can't be the person he is with the big heart and the affection mm -hmm. that he has, you know, he, he already embraces getting other people things. He's, He's got emotion. He's got an incredible love for God and for Jesus mm -hmm. that he had from the moment we got him. And some of that might have been, um, might have happened from the orphanage. Mm -hmm. But so much of who he is comes from those years that are very foggy for us to mm -hmm. understand. But we're certain that his mama was one special woman. Absolutely. And the choice or choices that she had to make to walk away from him and his siblings. We found out he's got siblings involved as well, that it had to be the worst thing, but she felt like at the time it was the best thing for him. Um, but he's, he's a wonderful kid. He's a smiler. <laughs> he's a uh, happy kid by nature very happy kid great sense of humor great sense of humor <laughs> he's a singer he's a dancer and he's a lover mm -hmm. and uh his he fits right into the family because <laughs> we love humor in our family we love smiling in our family um and we're a pretty energetic motivated family and so is he you know uh the biggest thing that surprises people about Roger is he loves, this doesn't surprise people is that he loves to be outside. But what surprises us and maybe a lot of people is that even though he was born in a country where it's hot year round, he loves the winter time. He loves mm -hmm. to be outside really? and he will stay out in the snow oh, yeah. for hours on end. <laughs> um, he loves the snow. From the moment he first saw it a year ago, mm -hmm. he loves the mm -hmm. snow. Wow. So the cold weather mm -hmm. really doesn't bother him because he's outside and that's what he's comfortable yep. with. That's where wow. he's happiest. Yeah. Yep. yep. So um, he is a smiler. And that's oh. the first thing, the, mm -hmm. the first time that you guys had him at a game and I saw him. Um, that hits what he was doing. He was smiling. <laughs> and I went up. I don't know if I high-fived him or fist-bumped him or whatever and, and uh, very broken English. I don't know what he said, mm -hmm. hello, uh, or whatever. <laughs> just, uh, you know, he just captures your heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So very cool. You talked about culture differences. Um, what was that like? Not only for you guys there, but what, I, I you know, we had a a podcast a while ago uh, with a friend of mine whose daughter came from Haiti and he, his idea was I'm going to take her to the grocery store and I'm going to let her pick out whatever flavor of Oreo she wants. And she didn't want, she didn't want that. She was overwhelmed just by the choices. Um, we don't think about things like that, but what are some of the things that stick out to you culture wise that Rogers had to face? 
I have a good friend that I've met via Facebook through our adoption, um, just adoptive families group who said, I asked her maybe two weeks before we left to travel to get him, what do I need to be doing right now? And she said, you need to learn how to do um, shopping online, Belinda. You you can't bring him home from a third world country and take him to Walmart. <laughs> and I said, okay, um, okay. And boy, was she right. <laughs> I'll make a long story short. Boy, was she right. Um, it, that was over. St- I, there was, were a couple times that I just had to go, whether it was getting something for my older two or whatever. But you want to talk about overstimulated. That was just a recipe for disaster. And so we did a lot of during our, our first three months of cocooning, we did not go to I mean, unless it was a dire emergency, we did not go into grocery stores and department stores and things like that for that very reason. Um, and then I know that a lot of people will probably curse me for even saying this, but in many aspects, the pandemic was a blessing to our family because we were at a time when um, Roger was really our family was still really trying to get into the groove of this new person. English, lang- the language barrier was still huge. Um, and we went into lockdown. And I tell, I joke with other families, we quarantined, we cocooned like no other family has That's cocooned right. because That's right. we basically have done almost a year of cocooning. And they recommend like, I don't know, two to four months. Well, yeah. we've taken that to the next level. Yeah. Um, but looking back, I think it was a blessing because we we learned um, maybe a few weeks into that that Roger really had no idea what a family unit was. Really and truly, like we, I remember sitting down with him one night and explaining what a mama and a papa are. He called the nannies at the orphanage all mamas. So... Um, he'd known a lot of mamas in his life and to really understand that I was different. I was his mama. That's always going to be his mama. And Papa was his Papa. That was always going to be his Papa. And Allie was his sister and Sammy was his brother. And we are not going anywhere. You are going to come home to these same four people every day and they will love you every day was just a novel concept to him. And some people don't understand that he did not know what a family was. We got a we got a really good opportunity. God gave us a beautiful opportunity to teach that to him and model it for him over and over and over again. And I really think that's a big reason why he's so successful now, only a year after Gotcha Day, because there is something to be said about cocooning and and teaching these children what it means to have a family and to have a little nucleus and how important that is. And yeah, you have friends and you have church and you have playmates at school, but your family is your is your powerhouse. That's that's like where everything happens and where you can bring everything back to and you know, he just really needed to be taught what that was and um, I hate the coronavirus, but I will say that that we have found a diamond in the rough 
in the fact that for our family, it provided us an opportunity to really cocoon and teach Roger what how beautiful a family can be and it's okay to just be stuck in the house with the same four people day in and day out. <laughs> we all need um <laughs> we all need a safe place. Yes. Yeah, know? and he's We've never been, had that. That's right. And I really think that's going to be down the road, maybe something he can look back and say, that's a big reason for my success. I hope he's always successful in life. And I think that if he is, that's going to be a big reason why. Yeah. I've got lots of other questions here, but we're, we're going to let you guys get back to Roger and, and your kids. <laughs> um, but I do want to ask you one thing. I, I, I think, you know, maybe one day Roger will listen to this. I imagine probably... It's not going to be on his list of things to do anytime soon. So we'll we'll pretend that he listens to this as a teen in high school, same age as your others now. What do you guys want to tell him? We're in we're in the end of twenty twenty right now. What I, do you want him to know? You know, I I think that you know that probably as he gets older, he's going to you know I. I'm assuming at least that he'll want to tell us that and thank us. And he does that anyhow. He thanks us all the time. You know, he thanked Belinda when he started to feel better and got emotional to her and just said that, Mama, can can we go back to Burundi and can you make my friends better? You know, like he had been sick his whole life you know he had four different parasites in his stool when we brought him home and you know the the doctors at the cincinnati children's hospital she said that she can't imagine how he she because she said i can tell he's had worms since he was a baby and that he had to have gone through life with um a basically a stomach ache his entire life and headaches. And so I don't know. I think eventually you get to a point where maybe as, as a human, you, you just assume that's, that's how everyone around me feels, you know, how, how do you really know? It wasn't until he came home and he started feeling better that he realized, Holy cow, you know, and he was so thankful for the way he felt. And, uh, but I think to answer your question, as he gets older, He'll want to thank us for giving him a shot at having a life. Um, And really what I'd like to tell him, and I'm sure we'll tell him, is, you know, he's already had an incredible impact on our life. Mm -hmm. And he's only been with us for one year. So I can only imagine, you know, 10 years from now or whatever, what kind of impact he's going to have on our life. Cause he, he is a big personality. That's the thing about Roger is like, I'm convinced when we were going through, uh, you know, racial unrest in our country this year, Belinda and I both, I think not just because he's our son, but I believe that Roger's the type of personality that our country needs. You know, he's not, He's not obnoxious or anything, but he just, it's that smile. It's that love. It's the, the big heart, but he's, he's got a presence about him that I think people like, like him, 
him and a lot of others can maybe help bridge that gap so that 10 years from now, you know, there's less racial problems then than there are now. And I think, uh, you know, um, he, he's, he'll have changed our lives dramatically. He already has. Um, I'll be just amazed probably at, at how many ways he's changed our life. Uh, um, when I talk to him 10 years from now, I would just like to thank him for being my son and for letting me call him my son. And I would like to tell him that he is the bravest person that I know when I think of everything he's been through and that he marched off that little porch on gotcha day and came and embraced a complete stranger that he'd never seen before and called me mama and just got in a car with us, two complete strangers to start his next adventure. He is the bravest person I know and along the lines of what Charlie said, he is a presence. Um, he has a lot of energy and he has a love for the Lord that is hard to put into words. But if he channels all of that in the right direction and keeps Jesus at the front of the boat, he will move mountains. And I believe that my baby boy could be the next Martin Luther King Jr. I think he can change things. I think he can, he is a light in the darkness. Um, God will do great things with him. And I am so fortunate to be his mama. Absolutely. Well, I would like to um, reserve my spot with Roger on a show in the future <laughs> and let him share his story as well. You know what, Mike? Uh, I'm actually sitting here thinking, I think we'd both be happy to do a part two, and maybe part two could include Roger. Oh, yeah. Um, be happy I think your listeners would love to hear from Roger. And I would love that. He he will not shy away from telling you and talking. Now, we'll have to kind of help him through with with his choice of words just so he can get his. Um, but the amazing thing about him is, you know, you open tonight with a prayer. We could let him either open or close by praying. He does some of the most amazing prayers I've ever heard in my yep. entire life. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, and he, and he loves to pray. Like he loves mm -hmm. to pray, not just to himself, but out loud in mm. big groups of people. And wow. uh, um, so someone, someone before us had an incredible impact on his life, and it might have been a few people. Um, and we're very blessed and, and so thankful for all the people that had an impact on his life. Absolutely. Well, let's get that on the schedule. Let's do that. We can wait till basketball season's over, but let's do that. that I, would, I would love to do it. Charlie and Belinda, thank you guys so much for sharing your story, um, inspiring others. Um, I just want to say for anybody listening, if you're not called to adopt, not everybody's mm -hmm. called to adopt, um, do something. Mm -hmm. There are 30 kids in Burundi that stood on a porch yeah. that need help. Yeah. Um, and that's multiplied times. God knows how many kids all over this world, mm -hmm. um, and even right here in, in uh, our state, mm -hmm. uh, in our country, um, we, need to, uh, we need to reach out. 
And um, yep. thank you guys for sharing your story so much. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> well, just minutes after we finished this interview with Charlie and Belinda, we decided to schedule a time to talk with Allie, Sam, and Roger. We wanted to give them the opportunity to share their thoughts on adoption and the past year of all the changes in the Ernst family. So we'll be following up this week with that bonus episode with the Ernst kids. Trust me, you don't want to miss this. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that any time a new episode is released, you'll be the first to know. If God is calling you and your family to adopt, I encourage you to go to America World's website, awaa.org. From there, you'll find all kinds of resources that talk about the adoption process, countries, and everything you need to know. So I invite you to check it out again, awaa.org. We would love to assist your family.